All right. So this week marks the start of uh, preparing for this uh, time of celebration and receiving from God that we're calling uh, Pilgrimage 17. And over the coming weeks, we'll be kind of doing things that are associated with that uh, so that we can, we can prepare to receive the very best. It's a, it's a good thing to, to prepare, to prepare our hearts. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to start off um, by looking at the very uh, subject of, of pilgrimage from Psalm 84. If you want to look at that, we'll be referring to that. And uh, <clears throat> kind of want you to join in a bit as well. Uh, that'd be good. Psalm 84. I love this psalm. If I had a, a kind of signature tune or whatever you call it, this, this would be it. Uh, I think this, this really uh, always has uh, gripped me. I saw, um, I don't know if it was a film clip or a, a video clip thing some years ago, and there was this kind of, it was, I think, a Christian thing, and there was this leader, and clearly, clearly he was the leader, but he was kind of, moving forward in this clip and he had around him a group of people and the thing that that kind of to remember it all these years caught my imagination was that he wasn't particularly sort of out in front but together all right clearly he was he was fulfilling his role but together they were actually moving forward and I don't know what it was about that but Something about a band of people that are actually uh, moving forward together was probably the heart of it. And I can remember it now. I don't know where it came from or what it was that I was looking at. But, you know, some of these little things, they kind of imprint your mind. Uh, and maybe beyond your mind, imprint your, your spirit as well. I also remember, um, we go way, way back. Some of you remember Dale's Bible Week. Yeah, it was a very special time. <laughs> uh, that was formed, actually, as a result of the coming together of the Christian youth camp that I'd been running and the um, kind of Bible Week type thing that uh, Bryn and his folks had been running and they suggested we kind of combine that which would not have made it a very big thing, but God, in his, in his wonder and mercy, caused this thing to explode. Uh, and uh, so I remember just towards the end of probably the first, the first one, um, there was some meeting going on, and, and Brim was up the back, and he was taking some pictures, and it, it was like very much towards the end, and I... And it, I mean, it had blown our minds at just what God had done there and just the numbers of people that had gathered and the outpouring of the power of God. And, and uh, so I was there and I, just, I was talking to him and I said, 
Bryn was the apostle that was we were under at that time and we are valued very highly. And uh, I said, Bryn, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, how are you feeling? He said, yeah. He said, I'm not even thinking about it. He said, I'm now looking at the next one. I'm now looking at the next thing. This is, this is done. This is good. Thank God. We're just looking at the next thing. And again, I'm remembering that from all those years ago. And I think, yeah, he wasn't about looking back. He wasn't about just, he was grateful and thankful to God, but he wasn't about wallowing in that which is now done. His focus was looking on what's next. What's God got next? Where do we go from here? And I think that's, that's kind of very much in this pilgrimage thing that grips me. So, how lovely is your dwelling place? O Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. <clears throat> Question, why was it so attractive? Why was the dwelling place so desirable? Why was his soul yearning, even fainting? For the courts of God. What was it that's causing the heart and flesh to cry out for the living God? Here's my first question then. So what's so attractive about the presence of God? Now I know you won't talk to me because you've made that very clear today. But it'd be nice if you talk to somebody. What is drawing? What is attractive? causes us to desire the presence of God. I'm not talking about a meeting, I'm talking about the presence of God. Can you have a little think? And maybe talk to somebody. You don't have to talk to the person next to you. Might be a good opportunity to turn the other way, if you feel like that, you know. God can still deliver your heart. What, what is attractive, what is desirable about the presence of God? Come on. Have a little try, see if you can tell somebody something. Anybody hear anything good? Tell us, Neil. Yes. God puts things into perspective. Yes, you see it in a different light. Somebody else. I'm not coming to Andy first. I'm coming to Andy second. Because Neil beat you today, man. He's going to be the focus, yes. Somebody else? It's exciting, yes. Who can manage a little bit of excitement in their otherwise mundane life? Yeah? Oh, well, that was all right when I was younger. I've had enough excitement now. Enough excitement to last me for a lifetime, you miserable old so-and-so. Excitement, yes. Yes. Can trust him. Yeah, place of trust. 
peace, yes. Assurance, yes. Feel his joy, yes. Yeah, place of comfort. Relationship and fulfillment. Yeah, you want to be with them. If you love someone, you want to be with them. Well, this is working well. You see, do you want the good news or the bad news? Bad news, all right, okay. Revelation 3.14, if you are neither hot nor cold, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you are neither, I will spit you out of my mouth. A bit graphic, but it does talk about something that's pretty close to the heart of God. He wants you one way or the other, not the in-between. Now the good news... It's funny you ask for the bad news first. The good news, anybody? Okay. Philippines 2 verse 12. It's God who works in us to create the desire as well as the ability to do his will. We hunger for God. We desire God. We choose to move on in God. Not because we are kind of super people but because God is at work in us, creating that desire. Wow. Isn't that a relief? Oh, I've got to try, and, I've got to try somehow to be more uh, hungry for God. Perhaps if I shout hallelujah louder, or perhaps if I speak to John in the meeting, that might do it. None of those things. It's God who works in us to create the desire. He's taken care of everything. So that's the good news. Yeah, to be in the presence of God. It's insurpassable. All the things that you've said and more are there. That's why it's attractive. Having spent a wasted period of my life trying to find those things outside of God and tasted of the things of this world when I came into the place of the presence of God it surpassed anything I'd ever known or tasted and it does even to this day it doesn't kind of wear out so how lovely is your dwelling place. How attractive, how delightful. But you see, it goes on to speak about the danger of just settling in that. We'll come to that in a minute. My soul yearns. See, it's actually talking about the best form of addiction that you can ever have. Yeah? We've tasted of the presence and that first taste that I described to you the first time I experienced I was going over it in my mind as Laura was uh, testifying this morning that first time I experienced the Holy Spirit and I realised that God was at work 
in me. You know, I was, even after all those years, I still think, wow, that God can do in me what I couldn't do in myself. That God could change the very way I felt. The first time I experienced the power of God to, to forgive from the inside, not just kind of put on a show on the outside, but that God could actually change the way I felt. I thought, wow, this, 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 this goes beyond some belief system. This goes beyond learning some scriptures. This is the experience of being engaged in the reality of the living God. So yes, there's a kind of godly designed addiction. Our heart and our flesh, we just need. That's why uh, God created us, of course, body, soul and spirit. You know, it, it's, it's wonderful that uh, Anthony and Claire, they love me, they pray for me. But you know, occasionally, it kind of gives me a hug and kind of come and speak to me. Not today. Not round to that point yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's why we need one another. Why we need the reality of friendship. It's why we can't do it all on Twitface and all those things. <laughs> Needs a, a little bit of that, that kind of personal interaction. Because yeah, we're body, soul and spirit. Yes. I love this song. I could dwell in this for a long time. How long we got? Oh, a couple of hours yet. Well, you know we've got a couple of hours yet. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Kind of jealous. Hey, hey, the sparrow, the swallow, they've got in close. They found a place. Or you could look at the other way that no one's excluded. Yeah. See, there's an envy. Now, Remember, we're talking Old Testament, we're talking about the presence of God dwelling in the, in the temple and so on and so forth as against our blessed position of uh, God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within us. So we're not got to go to some special place. We value that. We value coming together, these corporate acts of worship, this pilgrimage 17 that we're going to go to and things like that. Uh, all of that we value, but... We're not just utterly dependent upon that. <clears throat> so he's talking here about the closeness that these creatures have got, these birds have got. And he's really alluding to the fact that they've got a safe place. It's a place of security. It's a, a place of safety. It's a place of of longings being fulfilled. I describe it like this. I, I don't know if this is helpful or not. I talk about infinite 
You know, infinite can't be measured. Yeah? Infinite satisfaction. Satisfied and yet wanting more. Addicted. You know, satisfied. Not dissatisfied, but so satisfied that I know that there's more and that that desire is there, created by God, to want more of his presence. That, to such a point that I will never, ever cease to desire more satisfaction. Now, if that ain't confusing, I mean, it even confuses me. Infinite satisfaction. Now, that might be homework for somebody who's brighter than me to be able to maybe write a formula for what I'm describing. Infinite satisfaction. You look as though you're ready to take up the challenge there, Dave. Let's be looking that he might come with a formula for us. Fulfilling all the longing. Guys, clearly here, we're not talking about some passing emotion, some kind of happy moment, some joyous moment in life or in a meeting. We're talking about something that has a depth that is far beyond that. We're talking about the presence of God himself and all that that uh, amounts to. We're actually talking not about uh, a pleasant place. You know, if I said to you, think about a desirable place, a pleasant place. Some of you probably think about some mountain top or uh, some sort of, others would think about a valley and a uh, little stream and uh, some would, a whole variety of things. Not talking about that. We're talking about something that is so, so strong, so profound. We're talking about what God has designed us for, that we are a people who are recipients of his presence. That's why when we hear stories about people that have been incarcerated in prison cells for their faith, that without anything, they can still experience the presence of God in the most awful place that you could ever imagine. I know that in my sort of formative years, I read lots of uh, autobiographies and biographies of, of mission, missionaries and people that have been incarcerated for their faith. And the thing that came across all the time was some of them were imprisoned for years. That, that it didn't affect the practicing of the presence of God. They could still enjoy and engage. So it's not about the outward circumstance. In fact, sometimes in the outward circumstance, you could hardly believe it. I remember when I had this fallen, I was in hospital. I remember a certain point in the hospital bed, just like I think, this is... I'm, you know, my legs all in plaster and all that sort of thing, but thinking, and this wasn't the morphine, by the way, thinking, this is, this is just so, so comfortable. I'm so, it's so restful. And it wasn't that the environment was restful. You know, hospitals not necessarily like that. There's something about the power of God's presence that goes beyond. Verse 4. Blessed 
are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. You know, we've got to get out of our minds that dwelling in your house is like having a meeting. It's way, way beyond that. This is not about a song service. This is not about a meeting. So here's the next little exercise. What do you think we're talking about when we're talking about blessing? What do you think the psalmist is referring to? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah basically means, hang on, think on this. What's blessing? Try somebody different this time. If it didn't work last time, here's your chance. You can turn around, you can get up and walk across. Yes, you can get up and walk across to the other side if you want. What's blessing? Let's, let's say I'm asking you, what's blessing? What does it look like? Somebody give me a description of blessing. What is blessing? Health, yes. Something good from God that you didn't even realize you wanted. Hey, that's interesting. Empowerment to prosper. Prosper to do well. Yeah? To successfully arrive at the destination. Yeah? Prospering. It's not about how much money you've got. It's about successfully arriving at the given destination. Happiness and contentment that goes beyond circumstance. Yeah, we got the, we're getting the hang of this, aren't we? Yeah. Grace and favor, yes. And love and mercy, yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a package right there. Grace, love, mercy, wonderful. Excellent, excellent. In one word. Every morning he's smiling at you. Absolutely. New every morning are his mercies, thank you. Place of blessing. Loving him. Dwelling. Yeah, play. Why would you want to pop in and pop out? <laughs> if it's a place of blessing. Oh, I think I'll have a little bit of blessing today. Right, done with that now. It's a good point, isn't it? Place of dwelling. Yes, you don't want to kind of pop in and, and pop out. Yeah. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. It's about loving him and about pleasing him. Can be anywhere, anytime. 
I told you that experience I had in a traffic jam on the M25, which is pretty familiar. And in all that kind of, I don't know, unpleasant environment, just feel the presence of God and the blessing of God. You don't have to be in a monastery. You know? What a ridiculous situation. People who love God, who should be the sort of the earth and light in the darkness, cleared themselves away to monasteries and talk about a demonic strategy, removed the very people who should be declaring of the goodness of God and actually then took them a stage further and they took this bizarre demonic strategy of a vow of silence. What a great demonic strategy to silence the voices of the people who should be declaring the goodness of God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And this is really our key thing. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Which tells me that if my strength is in him, then I have strength for the journey. Whatever the journey is, the strength is there for it. And if it's blessed are those who have set their hearts in pilgrimage, I've got to beware of settling down. It also means, a phrase that we've often used, if our hearts are set on pilgrimage... We need to be settled on the fact that we need never, need never to stop learning. That teachability, that humility, that the possibility of change, that becoming more like him is all part of his purpose. We can't afford to settle. That's why we've decided that unless there's some special dispensation with grace to go with it, nobody can be over 39. Now, I know some of you have received a special dispensation of grace, but we can't settle. You know, once you get over that bit, there's a danger of settling. You can't settle. It's, it's a disaster. See, the purpose of God is that we grow up into him. The purpose of God is we become more like him. The purpose of God is that he's got more and more for us, not just blessing, but in his purpose. He ain't done with us. Need never to stop learning. Very, very key. It's key because... It's only like that that we learn from Lamentations 3 that new every morning are his mercies. That his mercies are from everlasting to everlasting, Psalm 103. The great danger for many people is coasting, settling. To be honest, if I was to ask you, how many of you have woken up on a given morning and felt, today I'm going to rob a bank? 
or today I'm going to shoot my boss. Well, maybe that one. Let's, let's, let, no, all right. Okay, let's not go there. See, we've got to understand that there are some things that were broadly not big issues of temptation that we're struggling with. But the danger of settling. Danger of coasting. The danger of just looking back. So that's why we constantly are looking. So Lord, what's next? Remember we talked about peeping over the wall. Do you remember when I ventured into that uh, world that I largely leave to Jamie and others uh, of kind of not internet, no, you know, sort of pictures and descriptions and things like that. And I drew you a picture. Ah, see, you remembered that when I wanted to talk about what they call the wave technology. Do you remember it, Andy? Yeah, see, look at you. I'm going to do this again because you seem to all remember that. Eh? Was it where? A cat. No, it wasn't a cat. It worked for some of you. But the idea that even in the ascendancy, we still are looking into the next thing. What has God got? Very, very key. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. At this time, if we were to see nothing else achieved other than a whole-scale commitment to set our hearts on pilgrimage, I believe God would be saying, hmm, that's what I want. A heart position. We don't have to worry about the detail. He takes care of all that. He wants people... Of a, of a willing heart that said, I won't settle here, I will press on into the next thing that you have. My birthday soon. Don't worry about cards. My late aunt, many years ago, had an understanding of me very godly woman. She never bought me a card. She used to give me a bar of chocolate. She said, yeah, I think this will work better for you. I'll tell you a terrible secret. I can speak because she's not here. My wife bought me a card once. Yeah? And I read it and laughed. That was it. That's the last time I ever had a card. <laughs> I'm not saying she's got unforgiveness in her heart. She just remembers it. But I don't know if, if any of you experience... As you get 
kind of older, people ask you strange questions. Like, when are you going to retire? Well, we don't even understand the meaning of that word here, so... Heresy, yeah. Very embarrassing. Yes, yes. <laughs> embarrassing for the person who's asking it because you know that... I'm going to disappear. I'm going the day I cannot look and see what is the next thing. Because where there's no vision, you don't want to be around. Yeah. By the grace of God... While we're looking, what's next? What are we looking for? What are we hungry for? What are we expecting to see happen? That's the place to be. We don't get tied up with things like nominal age. We get tied up with what is God saying? What is God doing? What is next in the purpose of God? Before we started on Spirit of Adventure, probably about a year ago, I asked God the question, What's next? The time of waiting on God. What's next? It was that, the simple answer, adventure, spirit of adventure. And that's where we've been for much of the last year. And that's where we still are. And that's why we're excited to see some of the things that are happening, that are happening. Never in our history have we had so many people responding to do things like Alpha, Never before do I recall that we've had to run one foundation course on the back of another, and so on and so forth. And the stuff that's happening with the kids, stuff that's happening in the youth, we're really delighted that this spirit of adventure is something very, very key. So we move when the cloud moves, and we say, all the way the Lord has led us, we're thankful and we celebrate. And we coined a little phrase um, in the, I think there's more in the LCP leadership thing, where we might see a 96% success and then get focused on the other 4%. Yeah. It kind of eliminates the basic thing of recognition and thankfulness. So yes, of course we want to press on, but we also want to press on from a position of being very thankful to God for all his goodness and all the things that he's done and he's doing. So moving on, as they pass through the valley of Baca, in fact, just before we move on, blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I guess... The fundamental thing that we're asking at this time, and I'm asking you, will you set your heart on pilgrimage? How many of you have read or seen John Bunyan's uh, pilgrimage? Very few. It used to be a book that everybody read. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not so much now, so we have to refer to other things, but... Uh, it's what you're going to talk about it next week I won't say anything because you're going to talk about it next week okay alright that's good I'm pleased to hear that 
Let me ask the question again. Seriously, guys. In what God is saying, in what he's doing, can I ask that we just make that personal decision to set our hearts on pilgrimage, never to settle here, to be thankful for all that he's done, but to have that attitude, that disposition of saying, Lord, what's, what's next? Where do you want us to go? Yeah? Yes? You saying yes? yes? Lord, we just ask that you would seal this in our hearts. Lord, we're not interested in just looking at scriptures. We're interested in hearing your word. And we dare to believe, Lord, that you have led us all this way, but that this is not the final resting place. And therefore, you're calling us to set our hearts upon pilgrimage, moving on, moving on in you, following into the next thing of discovering more of you and more of your goodness. Grant, Lord, that that be deeply sealed in our hearts at this time. What happens as they pass through the valley of Baca, that's a kind of dry place, desert place, grim place. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Sometimes people say, do you like living where you live? I've been looking for God to call me to somewhere like Exmoor for years. <laughs> do I like living? No. It's not about likes. This is about the best place in the world. When we first got our place, when we first got married, over the transport calf, access down Mugger's Alley, Climbing over the potato machine. It was the best place in the world. And we could have been in all sorts of places. Because it was the place that God gave us. That's what we want. The place that God has for us. privilege isn't it that we're here in the goodness of God with a purpose from God broadly speaking focused on one of the worst boroughs in the country if you look at various statistics it indicates things like uh, maternal health and employment and just a host of things. It's one of the worst places. What a place to be. What a place to be. That we could be. I love the, the, the thing that C.T. Studd, a famous missionary, the founder of missionary organisations like WEC, the English test cricketer as well. Great story. He said this, he said, Some like to live within the sound of chapel bells. 
I prefer to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. All right, the language may be old, but the, the sentiment is very real. That we choose to be in the place that God would have us to be, making the difference. And at some time, we'll talk a little bit about some of the difference that we've been able to make. I don't want to do that now. I just want to say that it's our privilege to bring light to dark places. It's our privilege to bring moisture or nourishment to these places of desert. They make it a place of springs. It's our privilege in God from the time when he spoke to us about barking being our Jericho. It's our privilege in God to actually shine in the darkness, to actually bring life and light in many ways into this place where he's put us. Life to dry places, not about avoiding them. Bringing good to bad situations. Bringing people out of their personal darkness into a place of light and love. It doesn't mean that it's all just (coughs) nice and comfortable. Remember those four years ago when we started looking at the book of James and we covered Consider It It All Joy the week before I had the accident (laughs) and the opportunity to live through that and to hear God through it. See, it's not about a life of pleasantness. It's about a life of effectiveness in God finding him and knowing him and seeing his power and his purpose worked out. Do you know it's good to muse? I wonder what God will do with me, through me. I wonder what God's got in store with us, through us in the coming days. Just look at us. Hmm, what a blessed, lovely little lot we are. But to be honest... As for the way this world judges things, not very significant. Except for God has said, through the prophetic word, that he will cause us to punch above our weight. That's why today we have the joy of involvement in so many of these different nations. And, and the powerful involvement. Where you have the joy of involvement in the community. The joy of involvement in reaching people. Because... God has called us to a spirit of adventure. That even in the storm, there'll be a place of calm. We have to continue to develop. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. That's a very, very key thing. Our object is to please him. Our object is to stand before God. Our object is not to be found in anything else whatsoever. Not in numbers, not in fame, not in buildings, in nothing other than we'll do what pleases him and we stand before him in Zion. Constantly developing. 
constantly being strengthened. And then just finishing up, hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. You don't do this without prayer. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah, think on this. So vital that we see that we are utterly dependent upon him. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Yeah? Lord, remember. I'm looking for your favour. What does God say? That's all right. I've already chosen to give it to you. That's why we don't have to pray for blessings. Because he loves us and has already determined that's what he's going to do. And pour out his blessing upon us in many different ways. But we're looking for the favour of God. We're recognising that it's the favour of God. It's not by power, nor by might, but by what he does, by his anointing. So we long and continue for that. Better, verse 10, is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, our choices can be affected by our direction. What is our direction? What is your direction? What are you aiming for? Is it to please God? Because choices will, will spill out of that. We've got to keep focused. Better is one day in your courts. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Lord, what do you want? Do you know what? This very issue, better one day in your course, a choice affected by direction, asking, Lord, what do you want? Do you know what? That has an effect on who you associate with. You realise that? It has an effect on who you associate with. Very, very key. Very key that we connect and relate to people. Yes, of course, they're those we reach out to, to bring the life of God to, but they're those who also we associate and relate to, who build one another up as iron sharpening iron. What we do, our role, is frankly not important. It's that purpose that's important. Then, of course, there's a nice little promise the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. It all comes from God. I like this next bit. No good thing does he withhold. Oh, there's a condition on it, by the way. From those whose walk is blameless. We do what we believe is right before God. No good thing. And then we come to that place of rest. Oh, Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Place of rest, a place of trusting in him. When we look at some of the examples, I was thinking again about Caleb, you know, one of the spies that was sent into the land. 
and 40 odd years later, there's still the same thing and the same purpose. He's still got the same issues to face, but the same purpose burning in him. It never changed. They wandered around the wilderness and it never changed because his focus was on something that was beyond, i.e. what God had said. Paul, in all the things that he saw and all the miracles and all the trials and issues, do you know what? He said, you know, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Where was his focus? His focus was the same as this psalm, to stand before God in Zion. That was his desire. And it is the Holy Spirit, as we've already heard this morning, working in us. Mark was sharing with the children, helping them to understand. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that creates and gives us that desire to take the steps. Is something we have to do. That means of grace. That decision about direction, so critical, so important. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I'm expecting that you'll have some thoughts about this. You'll have some comments about this. I'd love to hear them. Communicate them. Let me know. What, you, what kind of stirred with you? What obstacle would need to be overcome? What has kind of been quickened as a thought in front of you? Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to take your word... And cause it, Lord, to be life to our very beings. Lord, for our part, it's our desire to take seriously what you're saying and see it in the context of this whole period of time, this journey with the Spirit, this adventure with the Spirit that you're taking us into. But your word is very clear, blessed. We want to be in that place, Lord of our hearts set on pilgrimage. What will you set before us? Things that could be. Things that could be changed. So that we are a people with a hungry expectation of more of your power and goodness in these coming days. For your name's sake we ask it. Amen.